Because it's been five years since Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and we're still ticking. This is MuggleCast episode 255 for July 22nd, 2012. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 255. This is actually take two because we forgot, or no, we didn't forget, but it was there were some audio glitches last time we recorded this, which was about two weeks ago. But that's okay. We're doing it again. Time has passed and things have changed. So some things we won't even discuss because now it's irrelevant. It's like that lost but episode. What was that episode again? I was forget it, what. It was oh, like yeah. thirteen, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was early yeah. on, and we just skipped it. We skipped the episode number, and then our competitors accused us of just trying to up our episode count. We were like, no, no, see, here it is. Here's the lost episode. But why was it lost? Because we did recover it. So how was it? Did we just re-record it? Was that it? Maybe. Or just, oh, I think it was going to take an especially long amount of time to edit, I think, because of somebody's audio got lost or something Yeah, like that. I think we, there were episodes we re-recorded, too, like what we're doing now, you know, where we had to keep the, the episode because we totally lost it. I think, if, I, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, like 13, because it was like a big deal that it was 13 and it was cursed, um, or maybe it was 12, we were going to do a character discussion and instead we ended up talking about some big news that had just happened. Um, which which could be. It happens. Yeah. Especially when you reach 255 episodes. Gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, good God. With all things considered, I mean, I think we've had a pretty smooth <laughs> run through 255 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. And, and seven years, you know, there's a couple bumps in the road here and there. Of course. <laughs> Fortunately, we're back. Um, yeah. So that's. And we are celebrating the five-year anniversary of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows yeah, book release. Yes, as we record this on July 21st, 2012. I cannot believe it's been five years since the last Harry Potter book. Me neither. And episode 100. And, well, that's yes. true, too. You know, looking at that and doing the math, I'm like, wow, we're so behind on episodes. But we knew, <laughs> actually, I mean, that was episode 100 was really when we decided, you know, we're going to taper down a little bit i think and and yeah so we basically did a hundred weeks in a row which was good um yeah it's crazy that it's been five years though it just seems like time has absolutely flown by um and i think the big question back then was will the harry potter fandom continue and it completely has it's been as active as ever thanks to pottermore the movies theme park the theme exhibition um and the leaves. Yeah, that's too. that. That one's really kept it ticking. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, that was that was like the pregame. No, that was part. the pregame for the studio tour. So right, and right. the conventions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Speaking of that, Eric was just at Ascendio. Yes, and um, in Orlando, how was it? Was that? great. Uh, Micah was able to uh, join us for the the Muggle Cast. I, I I don't want to call a meet a meetup, but it was like a. Uh, 
a presentation uh, that was done there. Um, you know, just looking over the seven years of, of Harry Potter podcasting and uh, Mike was able to add his thoughts during it. We had about maybe 50 to 100 people show up for that and that was actually um, a pretty good turnout because our meetup wasn't on any of the books. And uh, Ascendio itself was really nice. Um, you guys have been to the uh, the Royal Pacific Resort uh, on Universal property. The Portofino Bay at the other end um, is, you know, just more it's it's grander in in scale but it's like super i want to say um uh silent it's quiet it's it's relaxing it's uh, done up like an italian villa and and honestly the um the the con was kind of themed like if the malfoy family went on vacation oh neat neat yeah everybody put themselves out there this con was really for me it was about you know putting yourself out there and and you were there uh in your own performance though weren't you Yes, uh, the the play Mischief Managed, we had mentioned this uh, a couple episodes ago, I guess, on this show, um, went really well. It was about James Potter um, and the Marauders during their, their school years, uh, so that went well, too. I was just going to say that I really liked some of the photos that I saw from the MuggleCast meetup where I was uh, tagged as the computer. Uh, because my <laughs> voice was coming over Skype. It was, was it a bit like the voice of God, uh, in a way? You I, always I, have the voice of God. I, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't. It's synonymous now. I'm just like, what do you mean it was a bit like? Well, let's move on to some... Well, actually, speaking of that, we are going to be at LeakyCon. We've been plugging this for 30 years, it sounds like. Uh, LeakyCon is August 9th to the 12th in Chicago, Illinois. We're all going to be there, us three, including Selena, <laughs> who, we for, who we should have invited on the podcast today. Come to think of it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be in Chicago, Illinois. I think registration is almost sold out, but they just announced that Starkid is going to be uh, premiering basically a Harry Potter threequel there. They're going to be premiering, it's called a Harry Potter musical, a Harry Potter senior year. Registration is open. Now you can go to leakycon.com, click on register now at the top. And uh, if there's a referral box or something, let them know MuggleCast. Yeah, and uh, speaking of our podcast, uh, we actually know the day and time that we will uh, be doing our show. Ooh. It's going to be Friday, August 10th from 1 to one fifty. even though I'll probably go to about 2 o'clock or so, uh, on the main stage. And uh, earlier that day, we'll also be doing a meetup. It's going to be in the Southwest Exhibit Hall from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., so... You have the meetup first from 11 to 12, and then from 1 to 1.50, we'll be on the main stage doing our podcast. Primarily, I think, looking back at seven years of podcasting, right, guys? Yeah, and talking about maybe if there's new Chamber of Secrets stuff opened up, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about other news. We'll take questions from the audience. Excuse me. So earlier, we'll take questions from the audience, et cetera, et cetera. These, these live shows are always a great opportunity to hear from the audience. Um, I know it's... It's kind of been a long time since we've done voicemails on the show, but just being able to look at these, uh, you know, our listeners and, and, and they have questions and maybe still unresolved theories is a great time. And last look into their eyes. Last, uh, last time Ivana Lynch showed up. So that was cool. Oh, right, right. Uh, one other thing I was, I, on the last episode, actually, maybe I didn't because this episode got lost. Um, I moderated a Harry Potter panel at Comic Con and it went very well. I was a bit worried because it was the very last panel of the day. It was, I mean, there was other panels going on at the same time, but it was the last time slot of the day. It was 
4 p.m. on Sunday. And after, you know, five days of madness, I just didn't think many people were going to show up. But it was a packed room, a very large room as well. And we had a fantastic, fantastic time. So anybody who listened and who's listening right now and attended, thank you for attending. It was and it, it was great. And it proved the Harry Potter fandom is still far from over because well clearly they should move you earlier just based on the fact (laughs) that that many people stayed till the end exactly and and actually this panel has been moved into a bigger and bigger room every year this was definitely the biggest room yet um i i just think they're unsure about it because you know it's harry potter but um, you were on you were on that panel with melissa and others no melissa wasn't there um alex carpenter joey richter from star kid uh um, Gretchen Forge, the Wizard Rock Band, um, somebody from the International Quidditch Association, Heidi, right? Somebody from Fanfiction.net. No, Heidi, yeah, Heidi was going either. to, and then she stayed back at Ascendio. The um, and yeah. I saw Alex last night actually, so it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So um, good. It was a good time. Very well done. A very great turnout. Okay, so before we get into the news today, we do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, and you are going to love it during these warm summer months when you're outside walking around. Maybe you don't want to carry a book when you're walking the dog and or you're on the beach or you're in the park. You just want to close your eyes and listen to an audiobook just like you do this podcast. And I have a great recommendation for you today. This is a just-released book. It's The Land of Stories, The Wishing Spell by Chris Colfer, also narrated by Chris. He, of course, is a star on Glee. He's been on the show since the beginning, one of the best actors on the show, one of the most beloved, certainly. He wrote a fantasy book, actually. The Land of Stories tells the tale of twins Alex and Connor. Through the mysterious powers of a cherished book of stories, they leave their world behind and find themselves in a foreign land full of wonder and magic, where they come face-to-face with the fairy tale characters they grew up reading about. This book is fantastic. We got an advanced reading copy recently. Absolutely loved it. Imagine taking this wonderful fantasy story along with you out and about this summer. Highly recommend it. It is, again, the land of stories, the wishing spell, and you can get it for free on audible.com. Just visit audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast for your free audiobook. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast to get The Land of Stories, The Wishing Spell, or any other book for absolutely free. Thanks, Audible. Let's get to the news now. There's some very interesting stories to talk about. And now that the, the actually I asked some of these questions at the panel and I got answers I was not happy with. Oh. So I'll have to bring those up too. So go ahead, Mike. Let's talk... Bring us through the news. Yeah, so uh, since our last episode, J.K. Rowling released the cover and the page count for the casual vacancy. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the cover shortly. Uh, but the page count is 512 pages long. So I think it just about matches uh, Half-Blood Prince, right? Right around that area. Uh, and uh, the book itself is retailing in hardcover for $35, I'm sure. Uh, People can get it discounted at Amazon.com and other places. And uh, as we know, it's going to be released on September the 27th. But big news is the cover. It looks like a ballot box with an X mark in it. 
with uh, some cool Microsoft Word type font that says the casual vacancy. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Anything that you can take away from the cover? It's very, it's an adult book cover. That's really what the, the big takeaway is from it. I mean, but I really like it. And some people pointed out, oh, it's red and yellow, just like Gryffindor colors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I like the cover. I'm, I'm excited to hold it. This is one that I, I'm excited to actually physically and, and I actually like Eric your cover a lot better to be honest with you. Oh, you created thank you. For You're too kind. Day. Yeah, maybe I should uh maybe I should go and and, and write them uh and get some kind of limited edition. You think edition she could invest in a better more visual cover? No, this, this. well this is oh, this is visual. This is, do with this is the this is perfect for the genre. I think on our previous show that that we lost take one of of this episode I I pointed you guys towards the uh Raymond Chandler um book The Big Sleep and the cover of it that I that I have uh, is same exact co- you know color really. It's considered to be one of the biggest detective novels of all time. Definitely launched the genre, and it's very similar in typeface. Um, you know, shaky words and like a single item. In which that case, it's a gun. You know, this time it's a, it's a voting ballot. So I just think that's it's a standard type of uh, a book cover for the genre. Um, so so I I think it fits perfectly. Um, and the other point that I brought up. I'll bring it up again because, you know, I just think it was good, was that uh, remember when, five years ago today, in fact, um, you know, we got the seventh Harry Potter book, and for a couple weeks, you'd be walking around outside, seeing people, you know, maybe in the park or on public transit, carrying these big Deathly Hallows, you know, very orange, I think it was the cover in America was orange, um, you know, books. Well, just think, come September 27th this year, Everybody's going to be carrying around these big yellow, red. Yeah, I hope books. so. And and it, just like before, it was a sense of you know common identity. You're like, oh, you're a Harry Potter fan too. You know, people who you who you just don't know are carrying around these whopping Harry Potter books. It's going to be the same thing all over again. I'm looking really forward to that. Yeah, I mean, right now, I you know, I'm, I'm at the beach, I'm on planes and stuff, blah blah blah, and all I see is Fifty Shades of Grey, that black and silver cover. It's time for something more refreshing. This is this is a direct strike at the number of casual vacant or sorry, Fifty Shades of Grey covers that are out there. It's ludicrous. Oh my god! Have you I have you read it? Use. Uh, I've read oh, parts. Okay. The sexy parts, like you know. <laughs> I think though, as as a as a group, we're kind of more used to the the visual. Mary Grand Prix style of covers, at least, because that's all we've known from J.K. Rowling in the past. And so we're looking for covers to be more revealing as to what's going to happen in the story. You, know, you can actually sit down with one of her book covers and look through and, and kind of pick out the pieces of the story that it's detailing. And, you know, I, I think, it, especially with a cover, and I'm just using this as, as an example, Prisoner of Azkaban, how much detail uh, is in a cover like that. You really kind of have to sit down and look through. Whereas this, uh, Andrew, you pointed out, is a much more adult-style book cover, maybe similar to what we would have seen in the UK adult versions of, of Harry Potter, just having kind of that single object. Well, I think- um, Covers covers yeah. are good for one thing. I mean, I, I know it is just an interpretation of the artist, too, is the other thing. Like, we sat down and discussed when Deathly Hallows' cover came out. Are they in a coliseum? That kind of thing. You know, are they back in the Department of Mysteries? No, they were at Hogwarts, but we weren't counting on Hogwarts being completely demolished to the ground to where there's just pillars left. So, 
We still didn't know. And with your Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, cover, they're on a hippogriff, but hippogriffs hadn't been introduced yet, so we just think they're on, like, a bird or an eagle or something. You don't know the full story. At least with uh, this cover, you know, cover art, we know. There's no There's questions. no questions. <laughs> well, we, we guess we can kind of figure there will be an election, right? But that, that part was in the book summary, which was released. So it yeah. really... Here's... I think they're just kind of trying to focus on the content of the book itself. It makes me want the book more, I think. Um, that there I'm isn't... just saying we're, we're a very analytical group by nature. And, oh, and certainly. Yeah, to your giving point, us... we've spent episodes uh, upon episodes discussing book covers and what their relevance is. And uh, So when you see a cover like that, there's very little you can really draw from it other than it's a ballot box with a check mark in it or an X mark in it. And, uh, you know, the other thing that's important here that, uh, I know Andrew, you wrote a whole article about was that the name of the main character changed. Uh, it went from being Barry Fairweather to Barry Fairbrother and not really much of an explanation as to why just all of a sudden the main character changes. Although how relevant to the, the actual text he's going to be, I guess we'll find out. I don't think he's going to appear that much because it seems like he dies very early on <laughs> in the story. Yeah, you know, I think what happened here was, first of all, there's no way this was a mistake. <laughs> what? Because, <laughs> because this everything. was vetted. They, but yeah, because because Little Brown, it's Little Brown, right? They, um, they said... Uh, his oh his last name is actually Fair Brother, not Fair Weather. Uh, if this was an error on our parts, but you have to think this summary where the Barry Fair Weather name went through so many different people, went through J.K. Rowling's people, went through uh, Little Brown's people, went through agencies, went through editors. I mean, how could everybody have missed Fair Weather? So I just do not believe that this was a mistake. I think what happened was it was written as Fairweather, and then there was some legal issue that came up, or they were looking ahead to possible movie rights or something, and they said, well, we're not going to be able to use Fairweather. So then they changed it to Fairbrother. And in order to not create, you know, stir the pot any further, they just said, oh, she's a typo. Maybe he was that small a character, though, that everybody didn't really know his real name. It's just hilarious that the one character that we know about so far, his name <laughs> was a name change. Exactly. We know yeah. nothing about this book. <laughs> and at th so this was announced, like Micah said, when the cover was released. And I'm looking. And yeah, the iTunes description still says Barry Fairweather. Fair and, and, I, and I bet it still does on Amazon as well. <sighs> because everybody is just like, what the heck? Well, I remember um, when we saw J.K. Rowling at... Uh, Radio City Music Hall, and she was kind of still figuring out what the title of Deathly Hallows was going to be. She had a couple ideas in the back of her mind. I remember her saying that she was thinking about it in the shower. And yes, I remember that it. too. Ooh. Yeah, hey. Uh, and uh, she said that morning. So she it's said, certainly possible yeah. that this could have been something that she was debating for a long period of time, but the fact that it got as far as it did. Uh, eventually, through her, we found out what the other uh, potential titles for Deathly Hallows were going to be. But I just feel like, and I agree with what Andrew said, that you can't allow something like this to to go to publication and then, you know, a couple weeks later say, oh, by the way, the name of the main character, we screwed that up. Yeah, I There's mean, just weeks, too, yeah, weeks too much oversight. Months, she's got a Twitter. And, and I mean, <laughs> oh, if, if, I, if I had all the energy in me, I would be begging her to tweet more. But she had the opportunity, the, the means established to 
communicate. This is straight. This is straight out of the book of Pottermore. If, if an I mean, error it's almost like had they, been made, they they could have been vocal a lot sooner. Now, like you said, they're going to have to fight a battle. You know, well, if they pick their battle to to fix iTunes and Amazon, which are still broadcasting it as Fairweather, when the publisher itself said no, his his name is Fair Brother. Like they're still fighting that because they let it sit out there so long with the wrong title. But. You could be right. I think it's due to legal trouble. I think somebody named Fairweather threatened to sue. That's what I think. Let's move on. What else is there to... Oh, one other thing, real quick. On Hypable, we did this fun gallery. We photoshopped the Harry Potter covers. We recreated them as if they were made in the style of the casual I vacancy I saw this. Covers. This was cool. Yeah, it, it turned out really well, and it was so funny because... People actually really like the covers. Huh? I'm telling you, you have a business like, here, Andrew. But we only spent like a half hour making them, and it so just goes did to the show people you the casual vacancy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly my point. That just goes to show you how simple the casual vacancy I think, cover I think we actually just insulted was. An artist, some some artist is sitting there in the world, and when he hears our, our critique, he's going to be like, "No, that was the best ballot box ever." Yeah. It's the the one comment I did not expect on this article is oh I'd actually really want to buy these I did not expect that at all so that was cool if you go to Hypable you can do a search for uh, Harry Potter casual vacancy book covers something like that and it'll show up anyway let's move on now Pottermore well the other the news. big piece of news was that uh, Chamber of Secrets has now opened on Pottermore Slytherin who won the House Cup uh, for the inaugural year of Pottermore got early access, only 24 hours of, of early access to Chamber of Secrets. And I know on the last uh, episode, which is now lost, we were kind of debating when this was all going to open up. Uh, and I was right. Yeah, you were. You said about For a the week record. or so, right? Yeah. Yeah, we knew it was in imminent. It was like the first day of uh, Ascendio, I think. It was like that morning it opened up and I was like, well, I won't get to that this weekend. But, oh well. <laughs> so, what do you guys... Is that what we're talking about first? Chamber of Secrets? Well, hang on, because... Okay, so, so, so the book opened, right? But we only have four chapters, right? You right. can't... Which was a bit of a letdown. What, what is that? What What are they doing? Like, it's one thing to taper what? the books off and not give us any release dates. Then when they say Chamber of Secrets is going to open, and it opens, but it's only the first four chapters, what are they doing? Well, they said that the next four, I think, are coming soon, and then they will release the rest in the third part. Or maybe it's more than four in the second but part. But they're I toying with us. Andrew, I, I feel like, I just feel like my heart is on a string and they're dangling it in front of, like, a three-headed <laughs> dog or something. Yeah. On the other hand, though, I think it is good to space it out in three parts because otherwise people will blow through the whole thing in an hour, and then they have to wait another six months for the for Prisoner of Azkaban. That's just a guess. I don't know if that's I guess I can see that. POA is coming out. But here are the... You know, I was pretty impressed with the first four chapters. One of the first things I noticed was... Is this what we're talking about, Micah? Or should we talk about Slytherin first or something? No, no. Just keep going. That's okay. Fine. Okay. I need you as our leader. One of the first things I noticed was the artwork. I think the artwork is very much improved. Um, there's some beautiful pieces of um, Harry and Dobby... Harry in the Dursley's backyard, number four Privet Drive, the front of it. Just some really nice, really nice artwork that I think was a step up over Sorcerer's well, Stone. Now I have a question about Harry and Dobby um, in, in this artwork, because didn't J.K. Rowling said, and I, I haven't seen this Chamber of Secrets yet, so maybe that, that, would, that of course would answer it, but didn't Joe say that these artwork, these scenes, 
wouldn't have characters in them simply because she doesn't want to. Well, they she don't. doesn't want to interfere with well, you know people's interpretation. So the, yes, they do, but you never see their faces. Oh, so it's like the back of their head, or right, always the back of that. Or, or in case of Dobby, you see the top of his head and you see his long nose, but you don't really see his facial features. Okay, uh, but I think which is cool. In that fourth chapter, though, you get a pretty good uh, look at Draco Malfoy if you zoom in into the fight that's going on in Flourish and Blots. Hmm. hmm. Is it? But is it? Let me look. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. But like his his beautiful blonde hair is kind of covering up. Cover. Oh uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it could um, be. I mean it's probably just an old decision that they've since revised. You know, I, I well, just one thing. Good. I, I mean, I, there is a there is a book covering his face actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think well, one that's, thing. That, no, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. That's no, fine. Just finish. Yeah, one of those stylistic choices that they made was to kind of keep it, still keep it open, you know, because they they had to illustrate a lot of this had to be illustrated, but they still wanted people's own imagination to take over for the characters. So that's why I remember. So when you were saying there was Harry, I was like, oh, how's that? How does that work? But that's cool. One thing that I really took away from the first four chapters was that it's very clear that this is being made for people who are experiencing the books possibly for the first time. And the reason why I say that is because there's not a whole lot of new information in these first four chapters. There's a couple of cool little games that they have where you have to keep the uh, cake from hitting the floor uh, you know, when Aunt Petunia makes the cake and the, uh, the Masons are, are over visiting. Uh, so you have to, uh, play that little game. And then there's also a game where you can denome the, the Weasley's garden, uh, which is fun. Probably the most fun of anything in, in those four chapters because you can throw garden gnomes into the wall. Uh, and, uh, but I really got that feeling overall that, that this is being made for, for somebody who's going through and experiencing the books for the first time. Uh, and we could talk a little bit about the, the new information that's provided. It wasn't a whole lot. Uh, the first was a, a little bit about, uh, technology in the wizarding world and, you know, how wizards use technology. Not to say that they can't, but they don't really have any interest in it because they have sort of an alternate means of, of doing the things that we need technology for. Uh, and then the second bit, which was more canon, was was about the Malfoys and their backstory. Um, and you get a real sense that the Malfoys actually had a very good relationship with Muggles early on. And uh, they liked being a part of high-class society and associating themselves with wealthier, uh, regular, everyday people. They didn't have to be wizards, but that you know, perception on their end kind of changed uh, over the years. It was really only to whatever benefited the Malfoy family at the end of the day. Um, so there's some cool new pieces of information, but overall, I didn't I didn't think it was that satisfactory for you know the average fan. Yeah, um, yeah. It was it was structured very much like when I started taking notes. It was very clear like they had. They the the order of everything was very delicate. There was first it was kind of like game new material, game new material, game new material. Um, now what do you guys think of the addition of mini games? This is something I don't think we really saw in Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, like like Micah said, the denoming. 
And then there was the other one to keep Ampetunia's cape. Was this something you use the arrow keys for? How is this? No, it's it's with the mouse. The denoming was fun, but the physics were a bit weird. So it was you kind of had to practice to get the gnomes over the hedge, <laughs> which is the this the goal. Clear of the game. thirty yards. Yeah, and then keeping the cake afloat, it was just sort of clicking, clicking, clicking. So that really didn't require much skill. Okay, if you I will. mean, I like that they're trying I... new things, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a fun little thing. But I got to say, in between these, these were the four highlights. The game for Aunt Petunia, the, the, the cake, the new material from Joe about technology, the game to denome the garden, and then the new material from J.K. Rowling about the Malfoy family. And then there was like one other thing where you have to click ingredients in a particular order. But that was it. Some of the moments were, again, like, like Sorcerer's Stone struggled with. So boring. There was no new material, no games, barely anything to collect. Uh, there were a couple things to collect, but it's like, w- as we've spoken about before, you collect these things and it's like, okay, what am I doing this for? Absolutely. Did you s- experience this too, Micah? Yeah, that, that's one of the major questions I think a lot of people have is you're collecting all these different ingredients or you're collecting these books or you're collecting these frog cards or... Uh, birdie bots, every flavored beans. What is the purpose? You know, what are what's the end game for all that stuff that you're collecting just to collect and have in your trunk? I I don't really understand it. So I think that overall, because I don't really care about technology and if wizards use it or not, it just it just lacked. You know, people have been waiting so long to get into this book. Especially the, the beta testers. I mean, you're talking almost a year <laughs> at this point. So I thought it was kind of underwhelming. I don't, I don't want to be a downer in the sense that it, it wasn't cool to get the backstory on the Malfoys or to play those mini games. But like you said, th- I think there's so much more from an informational standpoint that they could have done in those, in those chapters because every chapter is really broken down into three parts. And you, when you're clicking through, you know, and you're zooming in and out, I just feel like there's there's little pieces maybe that they could have thrown in. There's information that's there on characters and places and and spells and things like that, but it's not anything new to a person who's read the series. It's just kind of, you know, if Hedwig is there, this is who Hedwig is, and and it's nothing more. There's no kind of backstory. So I feel like there could be little pieces that are filled in more that would kind of complete it a little bit better, if that makes any sense. I agree. It, it's something I think they're always going to struggle with because the whole concept of Pottermore, I'm not sure is the best. Something they can entirely fix. But look, I'm not going to sit here. I'm, I'm done putting down Pottermore, guys. We've done it for a year. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I mean, on that note, like, if you're, I mean, I, I think that I would, I think that the Muggles and technology piece will interest me. Um, anything from Joe will interest me. But, why haven't you done it yet? Uh, I haven't completed book one yet, so I can't. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Some people have been s- saying to me, like, I-, I feel like Pottermore tech support sometimes. I get these at replies, like, at least once a day. Like, <laughs> how do you do this? And a lot of people have been asking, why can't I get into Chamber of Secrets? And that's exactly why. You have to complete Sorcerer's Stone first. And the problem is, like, half the people have not completed Sorcerer's Stone because after they get sorted, they're just like, oh. So okay. that, that yeah, was I mean, me. And I had a con to attend, as we've said before. But. Again, on that positive note, um, I did want to say, since you said there were four highlights of the first four chapters of Goblet of Fire, that's roughly a Chamber of Secrets. Ru- Chamber of Secrets. That's roughly a 
you know, one good thing per chapter. And there are 200 right. chapters in the Harry Potter books, 198 actually. So maybe there really will be. There is a lot they have to do. Maybe, well, I see what yeah, you're I'm saying. saying well, I in, think... in general, if there is one cool thing per chapter in Pottermore, it, it wasn't could per still... chapter though. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't per, per chapter. chapter, but I mean, I'm saying if it evens out. You know, the first four chapters of Chamber of Secrets, you find four cool things about it. Then maybe Pottermore could still be a success. You know, once all the books are done. I, I'm and yeah, I, Andrew, I agree with what you said. I'm not going to sit here and downplay the site anymore. I, I, I think it's very easy to criticize, especially because we're more than the average fan. So I think we're expecting more going into it than what it was really created for, and that is for people who are experiencing it for the first time. I mean, you have such a wide range of individuals who are going to be logging onto the site, and a lot of them have read the series more than once, are passionate about it, they want the new information. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was designed for, in, in a lot of cases, a younger kid who's going through and you know is experiencing this f- free of charge for the first time. And so uh, I guess you can't really uh, knock that too much. Just this last bit on Pottermore, I thought it was kind of interesting that Slytherin got early access to uh, Chamber of Secrets. Anybody else? <laughs> Why is that? Well, because the heir of Slytherin opened the Chamber of Secrets. Um, He's saying it was rigged. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, well, but I will say, I did like how they uh, were able to make the house points invisible in a way. Uh, before about a week or so before the the house cup was announced, so that people couldn't see who was in the lead, and obviously. All the houses were, were really you know, getting after it, and uh, Slytherin came out the winner. And they did a cool job announcing, I thought, uh, with all the different banners. Uh, and uh, I did say on Twitter, uh, back on June 25th, before anything was official, that uh, I thought that the house that won the, the House Cup was going to get early access. I wonder if they'll continue to do that moving You're forward. right. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Some people were disappointed because it was only 24 hours advance notice. Uh, or well, and they didn't hours. give a date, too. So they were like, yes, you'll get you'll yeah. get 24 hours before everybody else, but we're not going to tell 24 you 24 to only four chapters, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Okay. Yeah, what was I going to say? Um, oh, yeah, the other thing, the other funny thing about Slytherin winning the House Cup is that uh, Slytherin had a long history of winning the uh, House Cup out every year until Harry came to Hogwarts. So... That was pretty cool. Another interesting piece of news, uh, there was announcement that the Ultimate Editions for Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2 are going to be released. We don't have an official date, but Amazon Germany listed October generally uh, as as a time where it's going to be released there, so it's possible it's released in the U.S. before. Uh, but a little bit of a suspect timing, because you would expect that they would have been released before uh, the Wizards collection, and now the fact that they're being made might deter some people from going out there and purchasing this Wizards collection because it's really a lot of the Ultimate Editions rolled into uh, this this collector set. Yeah, and one of the things they announced actually recently, we haven't discussed either, is there's a new one-on-one interview with J.K. Rowling and the series screenwriter Steve Clovis. And this is just like the one-on-one between Harry Potter and Dan Radcliffe. I don't know when they shot this, but I am so excited because... 
Huh? You said Harry Potter, Dan Radcliffe, which would be an oh, interesting right. conversation. <laughs> that would be a very interesting I imagine it like being like Smeagol in Lord of the Rings, only it's... I think I think this was around the same time as the Dan Radcliffe, J.K. Rowling one. It looks the same. J- yeah, exactly, exactly. But it looks so good. And there's a little sample clip online they released already um, and where J.K. Rowling and Steve Clovis are talking about the trio and writing the trio and... Um, they dive a little bit into Ron and how he grew. I just think this is fantastic because you have the book writer and the movie writer one on one, no other interviewer. Amazing! I'm so excited. The stories about those two first meeting, I think that David Heyman told even too. You know, Joe was so nervous meeting Steve Clovis because here's this guy who's going to literally tear apart her writing and write his own stuff. Um, but they yeah. connected instantly. So that'll be evident, I think, in this interview. And he's American, so that might have scared her even more. Does does it justify <laughs> the three hundred and fifty to five hundred seventy five dollar cost? I don't know, but it'll be interesting. So that that is it for news. Just a quick reminder: again, we're going to be at LeakyCon in Chicago, August nineteenth to twelfth. We're going to be doing a live podcast, which will be released. That'll be our next. That'll be episode two fifty six. And we will also be doing a meetup there. They're calling it a signing, but it's a meetup. And those are the, those are the two things. I think MuggleNet is also going to have a booth in the vendor room, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of MuggleNet staff there. Uh, yeah. If not everybody, then most everybody. <laughs> it's, we, Mike has been working on the travel stuff and it's, it's pretty intense. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. They can all throw apples at me. Apples? No. Like MacBooks? Apples. Bananas? I don't know. What do you throw at somebody you despise? Oh, they don't Nobody despise, despise you. Nobody you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all have hyperbole set to our home. Hey, listen. Listen. I just hope there better be, if, if there's a mug on that party, I better damn well be invited. Yeah. You're hosting it, didn't you know? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I'm hosting the mug on that party? Oh. Um... So anyway, that that's the main thing we wanted to uh, just plug. That's the really the last thing coming up for us for the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the rest of the show we're going to talk more about Pottermore. Um, and this is something we talked on the lo- uh, talked about on the first take of this episode, but then it changed since we got the first few chapters. We want to talk about what we want to learn more about in Chamber of Secrets. And we have a small list here to go through. So you say Pottermore um, currently ends at Flourish and Blots? Chapter 4. Is that the Flourish and Blots chapter? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's called... Or, it might not be it, Flourish yeah. and Blots. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, it is called... It's called At Flourish right. and Blots. Yes, memory. Woo! Um... So there's a couple things we wanted we what what we hope to see in Chamber of Secrets going forward. New material specifically. The first the first person, Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, the the Harry Potter actually, series metrosexual, I think we've called him in the past. <laughs> have we really? That's uh, I, I think we have, yeah, on an older episode. When we did a character analysis of him. That's that's I fantastic. think at one point he is described as having very feminine hands or something, but uh, that's the only thing I can remember that has anything to do with why we would have mentioned that before. What would you like to hear about him in Pottermore? More of his stories of his actual travels? Maybe a sample from a couple of his books? Yeah, uh, both. Both of the above. Um, I want to know how he was able to... I mean, because really, it's not, it's not... It's it's a conscious decision to steal somebody else's work. And the only thing about him that's real 
is that little bit that we get in the Harry Potter books in Chamber of Secrets when he's about to wipe Harry's memory clean. At the very, very, very end, where he's like, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere if people didn't think I'd actually done that stuff. You know, time to die, that kind of thing. Like, that was so short. But the little bit of Lockhart that we got there was very scary, very evil. Um, and I'd like to know more about that guy that we only, you know, most of the time it's this public facade, you know, oh, you've got to help me sign my fan mail, Harry. You know, we need to... I well, I think know. he really believes that, though, in, in a way. Like, he's very pompous in that sense. Yeah. He? He's just such an interesting character, and really the... Um, when when he was revisited, many people... It's easy to forget this. In St. Mungo's, um, in Book 5, he does make an appearance. Um, but it just seems like that that wasn't enough resolution. I still want to know more about that character. He's, he's just one of the several very well-written characters who only serves, you know, a purpose in one of the books, um, but stays with you forever. So I want to know more about him. Yeah, I think backstory, definitely. That, that's what everybody wants at the end of the day. They, how did he come to be that type of an individual? What house was he in? You? What did he learn that allowed him to overpower such accomplished wizards uh, and, yeah. and be able to perform these memory charms? Certainly, uh, some of them would have provided some level of resistance to what he was trying to do. And then, like you were saying, Eric, what happened to him? Because we don't hear anything about him after Order of the Phoenix. Did he just spend his life wandering around St. Mungo's? Or did he recover part of his memory, all of his memory? What's the deal? Another thing people are looking forward to or hoping for is Dobby. And even though we're introduced to Dobby in um, the first four chapters of Chamber of Secrets... We do see him, like I mentioned earlier, there's the artwork of Dobby, but we don't get any actual new material. I think there's a small character page that has basic information, but it's all things we've already learned. So when could we learn about Dobby? You know, it may not be till Deathly Hallows, ultimately, uh, because mm. I don't know if you're allowed from a um, like an editorial standpoint to put in things that haven't occurred yet in the series. I think we touched on this on the, on the uh, episode that we recorded previously. Are you allowed to include that kind of information? Because you don't want to give away the fact that a character is killed, you know, six books later or five books later. Well, there's things they can say that don't involve, you know, prior to his death, Dobby was this great out, you know, but it'll it'll just stink if that's true, Micah. It'll just stink seeing Dobby in book four with Spew, you know, and all these other books. He's in it, like, every book. You know, I don't want to say he's annoying, but to, to keep seeing him pop up and to not have any more backstory on him would be troublesome. However, we don't even actually know that he belongs to the Malfoy family until the end of this book. So what I would like to know more about regarding Dobby is what life was like for him at the Malfoy Manor you know, before he very obviously left. And I don't think we'll get that until the end of the book, but I do fully expect it at the end of this book, because once it's revealed that, you know, Dobby's, uh, the Malfoy's house elf, I think she could tell us a lot of stuff. Again, without spoiling the fact, you know, of his fate, of what happens in later books, you know, because it's all backstory, so it wouldn't get in the way, necessarily. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Tom Riddle's diary. Now, this is something else that we're introduced to in the first four chapters of the actual Ooh. book, but there's but there's really no mention of it. 
Um, I think in this case, though, it is a little too little too early to be learning about Tom Riddle's diary. Um, because it's definitely, a horcrux. Well, because it's a horcrux and because um, because it plays a larger role later in the book. And maybe for spoiler purposes, you don't want to learn about this until Harry learns about it. Mm. Yeah. So so maybe towards the end when he does realize, or may- maybe when it's destroyed, maybe that's when J.K. Rowling will divulge a little bit more information about it. I don't want to sound sexist here, but I've always wondered why Tom Riddle, the darkest, evil, most wizard ever, kept a diary. Even even the manliest of men have their own little, you know... Well, it is, you know, it could be a journal, right? Well, that might just be something that kids that, you know, that that uh, British uh, young men, strapping young lads, did, was kept a journal. But it's always been interesting to me, um, because I just didn't see him as much of an introvert. I, well, maybe I did. Never mind. How how about Aragog? People hate Aragog. Yeah, I don't want to learn more about him. <laughs> People don't really care. don't like Aragog. Um, I mean, maybe some history about the Forbidden Forest or like living in the Forbidden Forest. Like maybe that would be interesting. But I've always just been turned off by Aragog. I'm a, I'm a scared scared just as much as Ron is. Of I mean, somebody said to me the other day too. Like my favorite part in movie six is when the spider's dead. Like I'm like. That's not even, that's like... That's your favorite yeah, part? like when the spider's dead, because then I can relax and sleep better at night. And I'm like, well, okay. You know? They were like, yeah, the, the f- third, fourth, fifth movies, I was all really uncomfortable, because I thought the spider was going to come out. And then when it died, I was like, okay, <laughs> thank God. So, I don't know, people really don't like Aragog. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to tell. I, I guess that's... Yeah, I think we got a lot of his story, right? Yeah, in, in the, the books. books. In the books. His story, as much as we need to know, maybe I'd like to know why he just wants to eat Harry and Ron. You know, goodbye, friends of Hagrid. You know, we will not deny flesh when it comes so willingly into our forest. What kind of made him an asshole like that? But he's just an animal. <laughs> he's just an animal. You just gotta... He's a predator, you know? You kind of gotta go with that. I don't think there's a whole lot more we can learn about him. But I don't know. But don't they eat bugs? They eat other bugs. Why do they want to eat humans? Well, the big the big bugs... Because they're so You know tasty. how many bugs they'd have to eat, like... To make up for what a human... <laughs> That's true. Would get they on. could catch, capture a centaur or two. Yeah. How about the next one? Moaning Myrtle and her death. Who wrote about it? Ta- tell us why you want to see that. Who wrote this one I must one have down? written that one down. I want to see it because it's a fascinating story. Um, you know, I, I want to know how, first of all, how Tom Riddle found the Chamber of Secrets. Because Harry finds it because he has Moaning Myrtle. But I want to know how Tom found it. The first time, how how he could do that much research into his his ancestor Salazar Slytherin, and how he could actually locate it, you know, through the via the tap in a girl's bathroom. I want to know. That's the story I want to know. So, Moaning Myrtle Mur- is included in that um, story, obviously, because she was in the wrong place. She happened to be in front of the entrance at the wrong time. Um, but just in general, the greater story I want to know about is how young Voldemort found the chamber and. What I guess what the repercussions of her death were, um, because that was a very serious time at Hogwarts when Myrtle died. Yeah, and also this is the first time Voldemort, Tom Riddle, whatever you want to call him, creates a Horcrux. Uh, it's the diary that is created into a Horcrux through Moaning Myrtle's death. So you get a little bit more backstory there would certainly, I think, uh, be interesting. And also... How did the basilisk get into the school initially? Because it's we're assuming it's the same basilisk that's attacking 
students in Chamber of Secrets that were attacking students back when Tom Riddle was in school? Was it always there? Did Slytherin put it there? Uh, if you use the movies as a, as a clue, you see all the rat skulls, so it was just feeding on rats for presumably the last thousand years since Salazar put it there. Um, Damn, that is one old snake. That's a lot of rats. But, I mean, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that backstory would be cool. Uh, moving along here. Lost my spot in the dock. It's also really... Chamber- tough, sorry. It's also really tough to create a basilisk. Um, I think we're given, somewhere it says in the books, that you have to hatch a, like a chicken egg beneath a frog or something. And that creates... Oh, that's easy. I've learned that. <laughs> well, there are chickens and then there are toads, both like running around the burrow all the time. So I think there was some speculation early on that the burrow would have like a basilisk attack. Oh, how about the sword of Gryffindor? I mean, that 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 could potentially have a ton of history. How 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 it was acquired? How Dumbledore acquired it? Um, the, the, making the duplicate in Deathly Hallows, which means we probably won't yeah, it's probably more of a Deathly Hallows for a while. Thing. I was surprised yeah. that it had so much backstory. That obvi- like, because Harry and is a Griphook get get into like who really owns it? You know, wizards or goblins and stuff. But that's all book seven, so I don't I don't know. Maybe more about the Sorting Hat, because uh, the Sorting Hat makes a pretty big reappearance in a couple scenes in book two. All right, and we're rounding out the end of the list here. How about Fox? Um, Fox, I could see actually appearing in Chamber of Secrets, like the history, maybe. Yeah. yeah. How did Dumbledore first come by him, or how did Fox find Dumbledore? Yeah. Fox is one of my favorite creatures. Yeah. He's very majestic. Um and named after a, a, a criminal who tried to blow up Parliament. So, that's pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, Guy Fox. Have you seen V for Vendetta? Oh, right, Guy uh, Yes, yeah, so, so Guy Fox now. Day is a celebration that involves lots of fireworks. Um, and when they burn Guy Fox effigy. Um, but and, I assume that's where the name comes from. And how about just the overall creation of the Chamber of Secrets itself? How did Salazar Slytherin build this massive chamber with nobody else noticing? Or or did the other founders notice what was going on, but just kind of paid it no attention, just kind of the basement of Hogwarts? This is the thing, like, all of the founders seem almost superhuman in their ability to come together and construct a school. And I guess the movies created this, like, a fifth character, the architect. But really, like, if you're thinking about these wizards who are moving time and space to build this castle... Um, I would love to hear more of a story about how they do that. Like, like you were saying, how does Salazar dig this, you know, tunnel for just his descendant to open? And how does he keep it secret from everybody else to the point where nobody believes it exists? You know, how did do- maybe a new mini game? Well, you get to dig the tunnel, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to learn. But only that Slytherins, way only Slytherins get to do that. Right. But that's right. the thing, though. Did the founders build Hogwarts, or are there? You know, wizards and witches, architects out there, or are there creatures that are you know particularly adept at building? I, I think they got the house like elves. I think they got the house elves to do it, just like just right. Like and so Egypt. did Slytherin, you know, can fund or pay off a, a group of witches and wizards to create the the Chamber of Secrets, kind of separate from what else was going on at Hogwarts when and then it was he being killed built? Them all. Yeah, well, I want to know who laid the first brick, right? 
I mean, that's that's the real exciting thing. Like, this castle's been there for a thousand years. We know next to nothing about the people who founded it. Um, so I don't know when the time is right. But maybe she'll do this. Maybe she'll do, like, the founders will each have, a ser- you know, a series in Pottermore. Obviously, Ravenclaw doesn't really appear till the very, very end. You know, Deathly Hallows and, stu- and, the, and the like. But Salazar's And Hufflepuff Slytherin, doesn't appear at all. And Hufflepuff, not at all. She'll have to work that in somehow. Um, as a Pottermore puff, I demand it. But, you know, I think Chamber of Secrets could very easily be a Salazar Slytherin backstory type of, of experience. Um, and it would be, the time would be right for it. I don't think there's a better time to really delve into Salazar Slytherin than dealing with why he looks so much like a monkey, um, you know, at the end of this book. Uh, and then finally the Whomping Willow. That seems like, I mean, we're, we're coming up on that. That's, sh- if, if, if Chamber of Secrets releases the next back, batch of chapters in the next few weeks, like they say, we have to learn something about that. I mean, how can well, we I not? Well, I think it's more of a book three thing. Um, you know, if you're, if we're going to really talk about it, but the, the Whomping Willow, even though we, it's, it, oh, hiding, it's right. introduced, I, I yeah, it's introduced saying. in Chamber of Secrets. It's the brilliance of JKR's writing that she uses it again and it has a much bigger purpose than just stopping flying cars. Um, so yeah, I think just the way these moments go, oh, da 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 da, a diary, da 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 da, ran into a tree. You know, it's not going to be important until the third book. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I could be totally wrong. Well, if you have any ideas about any of these items or maybe one we did not bring up, feel free to. Visit MuggleCast.com, click on Contact Us, and let us know what you hope to see in Chamber of Secrets. And maybe, just maybe, we will talk about it on the next episode that we record at LeakyCon. Or if you're going to LeakyCon, have your answer prepared and just say it to us face-to-face. And if it's bad, then we can laugh at you. Yeah, I think when we got uh, some Twitter responses for the last show, they're pretty consistent with a lot of what we just mentioned. They were, yeah. Let's move on now to emails. This first one is from Leah, 22 of Sydney. She actually talks a little bit about Pottermore. Hi, guys. In relation to the accessibility features Jim wrote about in the last episode, I've been having somewhat less important but frustrating problems of my own with accessing Pottermore. My main computer device is actually an iPad, as I'm on public transport a lot. I thought it'd be amazing to go through Pottermore during my morning and evening commute to work, but unfortunately, the site uses Flash, and I can't access most of the content. Do you think it's realistic to hope for a Pottermore app for an iPod, iPad or a more compatible sites? Love the show. Love you guys' work. Thank you. I think um, I think in the future, Charlie Redmayne, the Pottermore CEO, has said he wants Pottermore everywhere. He even said he wants it on seatbacks, like like the the, 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 the the on the planes. You know, you sit and you, you order your drink on the plane. He wants it there too. So I think it's safe to say that eventually it will be on the iPad. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they have to get over that flash barrier, and Lord knows how they're going to do that. So it may actually take a while. Yeah, and I know Jim, when he wrote into the last episode, was inquiring specifically about, um, you know, having, you know, some sort of visual impairment or being, you know, legally blind and and having difficulty using the site. So hopefully they're able to uh, figure that out within, you know, the next couple of of weeks or months because there's certainly a large group of people out there that are in Jim's situation that would like to be using Pottermore just like everybody else. I think Jim Dale should narrate Pottermore. What do you guys think? That'd be awesome. <laughs> Micah, you want to read the next email? This is a prediction one. I love these. The uh, The next email comes from Betty Bay or Bai, uh, 21 from Seoul, Korea. And she says, Dear Mugglecasters, Hi, 
I've been listening again to the really early episodes, starting from episode one. And on episode 34, while talking about the school song, Jamie makes a comment about how the Weasley twins singing the school song to a funeral march and how it could be foreshadowing disaster for the Weasley family. He was actually spot on because Fred died. What do you guys think? I love the show. I've been listening since single-digit episodes. I love, I love these kind of things where we see into the future. <laughs> we make accurate predictions. By we, I mean Jamie and everybody else, not me. Actually, I think I got one. Yeah, well, I think we all had at least one throughout the years. Um, but I also love hearing from listeners who've been listening this long uh, to us. And if only there were a straight shot from Korea to Chicago so she could be the leaky con because we're celebrating seven Maybe years. Maybe she will be there. Maybe. You don't know. But, um, I mean, regarding the Weasley twins, yeah, that's uh, one of those things where... In retrospect, you're like, oh, I wonder if, you know, they put the nail in their own coffin by singing a funeral march version of the Hogwarts school song. I I think the the fact that we theorized for 99 episodes leading up to Deathly Hallows, if we didn't get at least a few things right, (laughs) then then we should just hang it up and try something else. No, occasionally we do get these emails, though, and it's like, hey, Ben said this or Micah said this. Um, I mean, it wasn't one of our episodes titled Micah Gets Results because you were write about Joe and Pottermore. So, or Joe, Joe, you know, just in general, responding to things in a timely fashion. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun those first hundred episodes predicting what would happen. Uh, next email, Eric, you want to read that one? Jimmy from Virginia. So, if everything is released, then there isn't going to be an encyclopedia. But what about those of us? I am not a gamer, I do not have the time to do Pottermore, who don't get the game because of whatever the reason, costs, etc., or those of us who don't use Pottermore for whatever reason. I already spend too much time online. I want a physical book because I feel like I should be sitting down and reading a book which is worthwhile, but a game or a website is not. Just my feelings. Thanks for the episodes. Keep it up. So this is somebody who really just doesn't want to do a video game or a website. Wants a book. Is he SOL? Uh, how do we do this? Because I guess the news comes, Joe, it keeps changing what she's saying about whether or not there will ever be an encyclopedia. So what do you guys think? Uh, my heartstrings just can't take it anymore. Um, I, I think there will still be an encyclopedia. Uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be a while. I mean, we've kind of talked about this already. I, I just think that there will be one, but first, J.K. Rowling wants to please her her people, and that involves Sony and uh, and branching off of that Pottermore and now Book of Spells. So it's going to be a while, unfortunately, and it sucks. And but I've ranted about this. Before. I mean, I think it comes down um, to how big a Harry Potter fan you are. Um, I think it's I, in a way, it's fair to say, if you're not on Pottermore, you're not as big a Harry Potter fan as those who are. I mean, there's different degrees of fans, but I'm looking at myself, directly at myself when I say this, and I haven't completed Book 1 on Pottermore yet. And so, as a result, I mean, there's information on there I know I will want to read. And it is a matter of finding the time to do it. But ultimately, if I am, I I realize that if I'm ever going to read that stuff, I actually have to go online and do it. And so I'm going to make the time to do it. And when when the game comes out, if I have to maybe rent the equipment, you know, the Book of Spells, the Wonder Book, 
if I have to rent it, maybe as opposed to buying it, I'll do that. Or maybe somebody will be aggregating it online, where you can just read all the spell information, which would be a massive task, but it would be the way I would read it. But ultimately, as a Harry Potter fan, I'm drawn to this information. And ultimately, I'm not saying I'm going to buy the game, but I'm going to find a way to make it work, because I really do want to experience Potter in all these new ways. I think it's actually exciting that they're doing these new, different ways, other than books, not to say I wouldn't want a book. But, you know, it's it's kind of like, you, you kind of have to accept that this is where J.K. Rowling's going with her new stuff, if you are at all interested in reading that stuff, you're going to have to suck it up in a little way. What do you guys think? I agree with you, though, to a certain extent, because I think what is being said here uh, by Jimmy is is what a lot of people feel, and that is you know, the, the content is being put in very select areas. So if you don't own a PS3, how are you going to enjoy Book of Spells and get the new information on the, the, the spells that are going to be included uh, in this game, right? Uh, and if you're not somebody who's very much interested in going online and doing Pottermore, how are you going to get the information that's contained within Pottermore? So uh, I understand the need and the desire to, to have an actual book where you can go and get all this information. It's kind of a one-stop shop. And I think the, the reality, though, is that People got into reading because of, of Harry Potter and because of the story that was created by J.K. Rowling. And now it seems like everything's moving to digital. You know, all the information is being, being put in digital space because you, uh, how many interviews has J.K. Rowling done where she said, you know, one of the biggest things is that she hopes that because of writing these books that not only will, will people read, children read, but also move on to other, other books and other series as a result of that. So, but now you're you're putting everything in in a digital space. So, well, I guess there is a little bit of a difference between the game and Pottermore, which is that Pottermore is free. The game's gonna the game's gonna cost you like four hundred dollars. Let's nobody's nobody's denying that. Okay, Pottermore though is free. It, it even though it's in a digital space, it is more it is still things that you can read presented in a pretty easy to find format, and people can access it at their libraries, etc. You know, you can you can get onto a computer in, in most and cases. it's in other I, places. I know not everybody can. It, it, yeah, right. You know, the sites like MuggleNet and Hypable and, and Leaky and so on and so forth. They're all going to promote and push this content in different ways. So yeah, it's out there. I'm sure there's a wiki out there that lists everything that's been released on Pottermore uh, since since it opened. So. Yeah, there is that, but it's not the same. But and I know Andrew, you've talked about this at times. It's not the same as holding a physical book in your hands. Right. That's the thing. And J.K. Rowling started with the book, and that's why we all loved her so much. It's always been about the book, and now it now Sony is kind of uh is dirtying her, if you will. Let's move on now. Next email, Eric twenty six Erica twenty six of Indiana. Hey MuggleCast, when I was sorted on Pottermore, I was put into Hufflepuff. It seems right for me right now at 26, but the more I got to thinking about how I was sorted, the more I thought Hufflepuff would not have been the right house for me at 11 years old when I would have actually been sorted at Hogwarts. I know my answers to some questions would have been different. So a couple weeks ago, I made another account, illegal, and answered the questions like I would (laughs) have as an 11-year-old as best as I could. I was sorted into Gryffindor that time. It made sense to me because at 11 years old, I would say I definitely had more characteristics for Gryffindor than any other house. Has anyone else done this or think they would have sorted differently as an 11-year-old child child versus now? 
would love to hear your thoughts. That's an interesting question. I think it's spot on um, because you really are a different question, person when you're 11 years old, an entirely different person at 11 years old. So I hope that the sorting hats in the books, not so much on Pottermore because it'd be impossible. I hope that the, the book, the sorting hat in the books actually, when it's inside your head, is looking into your future, looking at who you are going to develop into. Yeah, I mean, it's just so weird because I didn't even know about Harry Potter till I was 13. So thinking of how much that one thing alone has changed me, um, you know, it, it's I, I, I was or would have been or could have been a totally different person. Um, so I, I do think it changes. I do think what house you would be in changes a lot with the age and experience that, you know, how you react. Maybe the maybe the hat does know who you'll be, um, but maybe not. But uh, the other thing is, you know, we're all getting sorted at an age older than 11. So, you know, the house at that time that you're determined to be in is is as an 11-year-old, and it ultimately shapes who you become. So none of us actually went through the process at 11 years old, went to Hogwarts, and are now, you know, graduates and can, can say that actually, you know, today I'm more of this than that. So... Uh, but I was, uh, I had a choice. I could either go into Ravenclaw or Slytherin. So I wonder at 11 years old, would I have had the same choice, uh, you know, to, to sway the sorting hat one way or another? Um, or would I have been a different house altogether? It's, it's a great question, though. It depends on if you liked the color green when you were 11, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really what those things come down to when you're that young. You know, when you make choices, it can be simply because you like a certain color. We're going to wrap up today with a quick chicken soup. This is from Sarah F. 27 of Wisconsin. She says, Hi, MuggleCast. A while ago, as I walked to and from classes in college, you helped me survive the Wisconsin winters. Now you are helping me through another winter in my life. I now get to spend my long drives to and from work and my long days on the couch recovering from chemo with the help of MuggleCast. I'm catching up on the three-year break I had from you guys. Life just got in the way of MuggleCast. But I think it was fate because I needed those episodes more now than I did then. Thank you for keeping me company, Sarah. Well, thank you, Sarah, and hope your chemo continues to go well. And hey, lots of episodes. I, I noticed somebody said to me last night, I checked out of MuggleCast after uh, Book 7 came out. I was like, oh, well, aren't you something? <laughs> but hey, now now people like Sarah get to listen to a whole backlog of episodes. I mean, there's a good... Like, we, we just did the math earlier in the show. There's a good 155 episodes since the release of Book 7. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's really uh, kind of inspiring in a way to hear that we're able to help you get through something as difficult as fighting cancer. So, absolutely, uh, you know, obviously we all hope you uh, have a speedy recovery. Yeah. What it comes down to is that we share in our passion for Harry. Um, you know, Harry's something so widespread that we all connect with. And we connect with each other because of it. So we're just really happy to hear that we can help. You can connect with us on the MuggleCast nice website. Nice transition. Go to MuggleCast.com. You can click on Contact Us to email in maybe a chicken soup, a thought about today's show. Um, then also on the right side of the sites, you can find our Twitter, Facebook, and fan Tumblr, as well as our iTunes, and a link to download the most recent episode. 
I want to do a quick plug for a new podcast on Hypable. It's called The Rotoscopers, and it's a fan podcast all about animation films. So anything Disney does, Pixar does, DreamWorks. And the, the three hosts are absolutely fantastic. I have to say, <laughs> besides us, of course, <laughs> I think they are, they are a fantastic threesome, if you will, in podcasting. So check out The Rotoscopers if you love animation films animated films they they talk about all of them including well i'm sure this will be on an upcoming episode there's news that there's going to be a finding nemo 2 which i personally am very i thought you about. found them once how can you find them again well that's this is a good point maybe it's a prequel i know that still wouldn't make sense i don't know <laughs> maybe he'll get a gps <laughs> or are tracking you uh yeah and uh you know MuggleNet has two new well not really new anymore uh, Harry Potter podcast that they've created. Uh, one is called Alohomora, which is hosted by MuggleNet staff members uh, Rosie, Kat, Noah, and Caleb. And it's really a, an in-depth reread, uh, similar to, I guess, in a way, our chapter by chapter, where they go through the, uh, the books of the series. It's, it's a global reread, as they've called it. And uh, it's really interactive. They try to have uh, a guest host on that's, that's a regular listener of the show uh, to discuss the series with them. And, uh, you know, if, if you're one of those people that's really analytical and likes to theorize, uh, even long after the books have been out, uh, definitely take a listen to Alohomora. Uh, and then there's a MuggleNet Academia where MuggleNet staff member Keith Hawk sits down with the Hogwarts professor, John Granger, uh, and goes through a number of different topics, uh, in the Harry Potter world. You know, anything from uh, linguistics and translations to uh, the role of the legal system in the Harry Potter films. So it's much more of an academic twist on things, but another good listen for sure. So check both of those out, um, and you cool. can get links to them on MuggleNet.com. Micah, you had, really quick. <laughs> yeah? Go ahead. You had, no, no, you, had go tra- ahead. you had transcript news, too? Yeah, I was just going to uh to plug this real quick because the the team that we have here at MuggleCast, the transcription team has done a, a really amazing job putting together transcripts for all of our episodes, not just the 255, but you know the the off ones that we've done at different conventions and specials that we've done throughout uh interviews that we've had with with uh guests like David Heyman and and David Yates, Oliver Phelps, Warwick Davis, the list goes on. Uh, so I just want to take a quick moment to thank them. So let me just uh, thank them really quickly. Tracy, who leads up the uh, the entire team, has done an amazing job, uh, as well as Ariel, Elise, Eric, Lakshmi, Laura, Laura, Miriam, Olivia, Shauna, Aldrin, Alexandra, Carolyn, Conrad, Desta, Delara, Ellie, Emily, Emily, Heather, <laughs> Jean, Kristen, Christina, Leah, Liam, Marissa, Maritza, Matt, Maxine, Nikki, PJ, Rachel, Rachel, Shannon, Shelby, Siobhan. Is that how you pronounce that? Do you know? That sounds about right. Stephanie. Well, you just redefined Tara, it. Tara, <laughs> Tim, Victoria. And that's it. I I, th- I think that's I think, no, no, I think that's I pretty fitting that there's there's 255 episodes of MogoCast and 255 <laughs> transcribed. Trans- trans- and anyone I left off, I do apologize. Um, but I was just reading that's everybody off the, on the uh, staff page. transcriber bio page. Yeah, 
Actually, I just have a new idea for a new podcast. Micah just reads names <laughs> on the list. That was so fascinating to see him do that. It was so eloquent and yet crazy. So, uh, I don't know. What I'm but saying. I do. Hey, I. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I do encourage everybody to, you know, check out this page. Uh, we've, we've featured these interviews that we've done with, uh, some of the, uh, the cast and crew, as well as, uh, others from the Harry Potter films. And, uh, you know, if you're, you're not entirely sure who they are by name, there's, uh, there's our photos up of them now. Uh, uh, <coughs> sorry. There are photos up of them now. Uh, so you can just click on their photo. It takes you to the interview that they did with us over the years. Yeah, it's a nice little feature. I have I have one more plug. I'm sorry. This like the this, <laughs> this this is just this way. You know, this just happens sometimes. Um, I think I've talked about before. I started a podcast about a year ago called Hype. Not to be confused with hype a bull, but hype. It's like a general BS. Um, don't call it bs you're plugging it <laughs> no 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 no. but like, like we just talk about whatever you know it's like it's a very really loose uncensored show. unedited show so anyway recently we started and i know this is going to sound a bit foreign to some people but we actually turned it into a subscription podcast whereby um for 3.99 a month you're getting four to five episodes a month which is something we don't do for any of the other podcasts and these episodes usually last a good, I mean, lately they've been an hour, 15, hour and a half. Um, so if you are interested in hearing more from me and various other people involved, I, I would like to get Micah and Eric, you two involved in the, in the show in the future. I've been um, on your show. com. It's a general, it's basically a general entertainment podcast, but we talk about world stories as well. We talk about, um, you know, various entertainment stories. The good thing about it being weekly is that we're really on top of news as soon as it happens. We talk about, we talk about a lot of stuff that I confess way too much on the show. And that isn't a tease. It's just the honest truth. Uh, but it, because it's behind a paywall, I feel more comfortable with opening up. So, <laughs> um, visit hypepodcast.com. You can listen to samples of the shows we've released for so far under this new subscription service. And I think you'll really like it. It's a month-to-month thing, so you can sign up for a month, and if you don't like it, then you can cancel. Uh, you don't need to commit to a certain amount of time, but uh, I encourage you to check it out, hypepodcast.com. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, it's I think it's a great show. I've you know I've hey, I was a guest. Uh, I don't even know how long ago at this point, uh, but uh, we were discussing Penn State. I remember, uh, but yeah. that was back when the story was first breaking. So I guess it was probably either the fall or the winter of last year. Um, yeah, but it is, and we had you on because you're really up on sports. Yeah, and, and it is, it is just a kind of really laid back show, you know. And you you get to speak your mind, and you you certainly uh, get people's perspectives on different events that are going on around the world. Yeah, one f- one type of feedback we always get about it is like, oh, it's so nice to hear you guys talk, as if uh, outside of Harry Potter. Because and people get like really excited when we curse, which is like the strangest thing. I, and I don't mean like overly cursing, but I guess it's refreshing for people to hear the real us <laughs> this isn't the real us on MuggleCast, but just to talk about stuff outside of harry potter that's what gives people like this so anyway eric's coughing uh, that signals drops. the end of the show oh no yes. please i i hope that <laughs> none of these coughs make it into the episode that's terrible thanks everybody for listening um our next episode will be 256 from LeakyCon 2012 it'll be a fun live episode which we haven't had in about a year since the last LeakyCon. So we will see everybody next time. Bye. 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 Bye.